0: I'm Allie Wenner, a writer for the Princeton Alumni Weekly. So it's safe to say that anthropology professor Carolyn Rouse has had an interesting year. For one thing, she hasn't really watched any cable TV news since the presidential election last November. She also hasn't been listening to NPR or even reading the opinion section of the New York Times. For the past year or so, she's only really been consuming news produced by people who she considers to be experts, like people who write for the New Yorker and the hosts of the podcast on the media. But for everything else news-related, Carolyn is turning to something called the Trumplandia Project, which is a culmination of ethnographic evidence submitted by regular, everyday people. She started this project herself last November and put out a call for submissions, so it could be writing, or photos, or really whatever people want to send her, asking people from around the world to share their take on anything relating to Donald Trump's presidency. But the thing is, not everybody liked this idea. In fact, some people saw it as an attack on President Trump and his policies. A conservative online news organization called Campus Reform wrote a story about Carolyn and Trumplandia, which went viral among conservative news outlets and prompted a slew of racist and bigoted submissions to the project. But I caught up with Carolyn about a month after the media frenzy had died down to talk to her about her recent research trip to interview white Trump supporters in rural California, why she's been so disappointed by the news media recently, and what it's really like to cut yourself off from watching TV news. Spoiler alert, it's not as hard as you might think.
1: So I'm a professor of anthropology, and uh, I studied race and inequality in different institutional domains since the 90s in religion, medicine, development, and education. I came up with Trumplandia after the presidential election of 2016, and I had this wonderful class. It was called the anthropology of development an incredible group of students who were really devastated by the elections for various reasons. And I had felt this incredible disappointment in journalism going up to that moment because as an academic, even though I critique statistics, I'm an anthropologist, so we have these wonderful critiques of how people... Uh, don't capture a lot. And that's why we love ethnography. I still wanted to believe that I could count on experts to explain what's going on, because I don't have the time and I don't have the expertise to do that. And so I was relying a lot on the media to help me. And I felt this incredible disappointment that I had counted on something that I already knew within my discipline needed critiquing. And and so I wanted to go back to ethnography. I wanted to know more about anthropology through ethnography. I wanted other people to try to tell me their stories. And the first stories of the, from the students uh, were extraordinary. The what experience about having a conversation over Thanksgiving about, from with their families, about what just happened and I had Chinese-American students one whose mother was naturalized the other who wasn't who voted for Trump and she describes the scene where they're you know driving in a car to I think a restaurant and how she just wants to ask her mom who's, you know why she voted for Trump and and then Being a brilliant ethnographer that she is, you know, she's just describing. She just sat and listened to her mom, and then she says, "Remember our friends who were beat up in L.A., who were American, but Chinese American, from by people who were Trump supporters who told them to get out of this country." And she just sort of leaves it there. And that's the kind of that's what we do with ethnography. It's we don't always try to make sense of the people, what people say and their their commitments to these sorts of things. Um, I think in the case of her mom, it was his business savvy, you know, which is what a lot of people, I guess, saw in Trump. Um, but that's really different than what you get in the news. You know, you, they always are trying to find some kind of ideal type and representative and, and oh, it's all about poor white you know americans working rural that and um i don't like to talk about these mainstream presses being written by you know these elitists who write it's i don't, don't want to get involved in that but but the what journalists don't understand is they have a particular set of concerns and and so they the so what question which we saying academia should drive your research. The so, so what question in journalism there's a so what question. If it's off their radar, if they don't see it as an interesting question, they're not going to. And so I remember talking to editors of the New York Times, and I and I said an editor of the New York Times, and I said I was explaining how I kind of liked the fact that, and of course I wasn't really paying much attention this time because I don't again I'm not watching the news, but I heard that Sean Spicer brought in. Um, brought people through Skype? Journalists through Skype? Is that...
0: For like a pre- for one of his press briefings? Yeah. Okay. And one man
1: asked about timber. Um, and, well, you know, I don't necessarily have a good feeling about what was probably said, but being in California, I was staying in a motel next to a timber mill. We would pass cars with, you know, trucks with these, with timber. Timber is a real thing when you get out of New York or Washington, D.C., right? Um, and so f- how do you frame it in a way that makes readers and your audience, I mean, the concern is the audience, right? Well, who's going to read a paper if they're not interested in timber? so but timber is really important we use it to build houses and buildings and we and and there's an ecological element to it there's a right so so what where are we with i don't even know i don't know where we are with respect to timber in terms of global warming in terms of right (laughs) the economy nothing right (laughs) i don't know and so that's what slips out and so when they think you know these people aren't reading their papers or they're not educated or both well you know their concerns are not necessarily your concerns. And that's another reason why I, I really want more people to submit to Trump landing, because I want to hear voices from all over. I want that ethnographic moment. And that also requires people not, again, to just spew opinions. Ethnography means you're not writing about yourself and your own opinions. You're writing about somebody else. And so that's gonna, that's one of the struggles with editing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, curating this, because you know a lot of people don't really get that. A lot of people want to just, you know, use this moment to state why they're right and somebody else is
0: wrong. And so I'm guessing. So based off kind of being let down by the media in the presidential election, it, you've chosen to not read any. No, I know. Really, I know. I do. You no. do. So what? What is your the, media diet? Currently? So yeah. So the
1: difference is, is, um, and I, I have had to do a little bit of. Well, there were two days where I did watch because I was just confused. One was the Scaramucci thing, which was <laughs> yeah. I couldn't un, I couldn't understand what was going on from reading the paper. And then the next was the Charlottesville thing, where I thought I kind of I really wanted to see how these things were being framed. Those so those are two moments where I, I let this through. And and of course I you know even writing this uh, lecture for F Free Speech. I had to, you know, um, look at some excerpts, uh, you know, you, free speech and just kind of see what's, what was being said. Um, but a typical day for you. It's, yeah, I know it's, it's not, it's not listening to NPR. That's gone. Um, it's, it's not watching MSNBC. That's gone. It's not, you know, really wa- I mean, Houston is, um, it's, it's still just a city to me, and I heard there was a lot of water, I saw some pictures of a lot of water, <laughs> um, <Yes. and laughs> but it do, I don't have that same, you know, I, I was hearing, because I was in California right after, I was hearing the, the, my interlocutors were screaming about Joel Olstein, um, which was interesting to hear about that story through other people. You and know. so that's
0: so that's kind of what you're trying to do with this Trump Land Year project, yeah. correct? So you, to kind of fill that void that the media used to fill in terms of informing about the news, you're asking people to submit stories and video. Could you could you talk a little bit more about Yeah. That?
1: It's an attempt to, to learn about how people are seeing the world. But then, you know, it's difficult because um, we live in a world now where you know, the comment sections have become just a, this strange space for people to just scream at other people. And so there's a lot of that. And that's hard. It makes me not want to look at anything. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to read racism. I don't want to, I don't want to have to, and I have to. So a lot of the responses. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to, anyway, so it's, we'll work on it. We're working on it. We're trying to get it um, I'm trying to curate it and make it legible for other people. Um, but I, you know, a lot of what I, I get is not even through the Trumplandia site anymore. It's, it's actually just talking to people.
0: Um, talk, people will say, people say talk racist about, things No, 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 no. About oh. the news.
1: So about okay. the news. A lot of what I know about the news just comes from other people.
0: Okay. People talk a lot about the news. And how do you, do you feel, you know, since you've started this project, uh, less informed or more informed than you were before you stopped watching the news? Um,
1: so uh, let me let me explain a little bit. Um, I, I do like I'm willing to I what, listen to investigative journalism. I listen to people I consider experts. I, 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 I read The New Yorker. Um, so I'm not not informed. Uh, what I don't like about in particular cable news um or talk radio is that um that they are trying to control your emotions in order to get you to feel a certain thing in order to care in a certain way about that thing and i don't want people to to tell me how i'm supposed to feel about that's that i think has become the biggest thing for me so I'm happy to read about something that happened, but I, I don't, I'm even having a hard time reading the op-ed sections of any paper. And I feel like the op-ed is actually starting to filter in the main part of the paper. And so I'm having even a harder time reading the main parts of, you know, these papers as well. And also another thing I've noted, um, even though, uh, mainstream press don't want to admit this kind of desire on their part to see the person they are opposed to fail, which they won't agree that they're opposed to fail, there's this constant framing where they want to make sure they, you know, we were right, see, we were right, you know? And I feel like we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't want the country to fail regardless of who's in power. And, um... And he's so predictable at this point. I mean, maybe he'll surprise us, but he's pretty. So I'm not actually really all that interested in hearing, oh my God, he did the you know, I would, I, it's it's really old at this point. Um, and in the meantime, you know, they're trying to pass another re- repeal for the health care, which, you know, one of the things that um, I noted in my return to rural white America or California um, was that the Trump sort of supporters wanted single payer health care too I mean there's a proposal now in California um, but the people I interviewed were so hurt by Obamacare and not they were before they were just just devastated and now they're just they're limited in, in how much they can earn and 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 Kmart all these corporations just completely take advantage of our government. I mean, it is welfare for Kmart CEOs. This is just horrible. So they cut these people's hours just enough so that they don't have to pay for their health care. And these people don't make enough money, so they have to go to Medi-Cal. And then MediCal does this thing where when you die, you have to re- your estate has to reimburse Medi-Cal. So, so the poor can't even hand down their money to their kids because of this craziness. And, you know, they're, we're talking about quote-unquote, death taxes. I mean, this system is so rigged for the wealthy, and you see it. And you see it among Trump support. You see it among poor who've been Republicans all their life. And so their emotional commitment to conservatism and Trump are the thing that fascinates me, because um, they know know what they need, and it's not what's being offered. And so that's what is drives my research and that
0: fascinates me. Interesting yeah and I definitely want to get back to I have a couple more questions for you about the California stuff but to go quickly back to the Trump Landia project and in terms of submissions I mean what's been the response so far you've been doing it for almost a year now right? Um, yeah I mean
1: it hasn't been great I'll have okay. to admit I mean I I was gonna go out and um, ask my anthropology colleagues to ask their students to submit work and um, I have a number from my students in my race in medicine class because the wonderful ethnographies of people's experiences in, in healthcare. And then this year we have a, a course where students are going to go out and do ethnography. So it's now building on coursework. Um, we're, we're integrating coursework, but we got a bunch this summer after um, an article that came out in Campus Reform that you know sort of about Trumplandia. Um, and those are the ones that I'm having a harder. Um,
0: no, so uh, I, well, I did sorry. want to ask you one question yeah. about those. I yeah. know you mentioned in your talk last week that a lot of them were just flat out bigoted and racist and like not helpful at all towards the ultimate goal of the project. But I mean, as you're going through them, are there any that are actually kind of yes. thought provoking or that you feel? Yeah, so is is, is there a silver lining to this whole media frenzy? Yeah,
1: I mean, and if I if I at the end of the day, if I have you know. 40 beautif- beautiful you know ethnographies that really say something that's great and also I have pieces from my own field work um as well so there's some beautiful
0: beautiful stuff i um, when you say when you say ethnographies are yeah. these kind of like photos or videos or what kind of physical no, written, written, written things yeah. okay like yeah. testimonials
1: yeah. yeah and um yes and I'm feeling I mean, I'm just not, I'm not good at, um, I'm not, I'm not good at social media. I'm not good at like, you know what I mean? So this is uh, me, for me, this is uh, difficult. I'm not, I don't do the whole self-promotion thing online. So I'm learning to do this, but I think once we get this curated, um, I think we're, I'm in a better space to have this conversation because I think we're now in a point where we can really sit and, and and maybe people are more willing to pull away from the political discourses and really like, you know, you know, what does it mean to be in Florida, a state that if the predictions hold, Miami will be gone, right? It'll be underwater and um, you know, what does it mean what is it you know, I wanna know more about people's commitments to Challenging global warming from somebody who lives in a place like this where you're starting to already see the powerful effects.
0: I mean, I just kind of go off of that. I mean, we're talking about some really interesting things that have come out of the project, but I guess to make it kind of wrap it all up, like, what is your biggest takeaway from this project so far?
1: Um, I don't have a big takeaway, Okay. except to say I, I still believe really. With my methods and my discipline, that uh, you know, we 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 have theories, lovely theories, that are one you know wonderful that are documented through ethnographically, so through ex- experiential data. Um, But we are more than willing to put aside those theories when we're in the field in order to capture what we are trying to capture. And as a result, we disrupt a lot of even our own common sense about the way the world works or shouldn't work. And we just aren't conservative or liberal. Anthropology is, you know, most anthropologists are very progressive. But the best anthropology is just, it has nothing to do with any political group. And and hopefully by the end, we will create some kind of document that may be a testament to the importance of ethnography as a part of media. And I think more and more people are doing that anyway. You know, there are more documentaries, sort of more ethnographic kind of documentaries, and more podcasts like you're doing, where people are slowing down and just listening um and uh listening is a radical act you know it's a and so i i actually am hopeful um and you know we had a class yesterday and uh we were talking about you know how this happened at the heels of an election for the first african american president and you know, one student talked about pendulum, another student talked about dialectics, and and those are real things. You know, we're learning from this moment. If we learn well from this moment, we'll be in a better or a different, I should say, a different space. And again, I I think at this point we're we're civilizing this technology, right now, and the the Facebook, uh, the um, uh, the the challenge to Facebook in Germany right now I think is an example of how we're going to be civilizing this technology because this isn't working. Um, a spe- free speech free-for-all is not working um, but also what's not working is the fact that people aren't listening to these marginalized not even marginalized just people who are silenced in in this loud, screaming emotion-laden series of quote-unquote conversations <laughs> that are taking place <laughs> in the media, you know, <laughs> we've lost that, the specificity of the local and the nuances that you learn in the field. So so that's, so maybe at the end of the day, I think it, it wasn't so much, I, I didn't, I don't think I'm, um, learning as much as I thought I would because I think that I'm attuned to um, what's going on in America As I interview people all the time. I think what it reminds me of is that I, we need to do a better job of explaining the value of ethnography and the art of listening and, um, and trying to make sense of other people's perspectives of the world.
0: If you'd like to make a submission to the Trumplandia project, you can do so by visiting anthropology.princeton.edu Trumplandia submissions. Carolyn is asking that anyone who wants to contribute, please avoid writing about their own opinions. Uh, for this project, she is interested in people's observations and analyses of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to subscribe in iTunes. We'll be publishing more interviews along with our Paw Tracks Oral History podcast all year long.